Hello, everybody. Welcome to Theory Lab, the American Cancer Society's research podcast. I'm Joe Cotter. I'm here with noted slacker, Dr. <laughs> Susanna Greer. <laughs> Is there anything you had to put off this year, Dr. Slacker, because of the pandemic? <laughs> well, now I'm going to be putting off holiday shopping for you, so um, <laughs> noted. Just kidding. We had mm-hmm. to we had to put off visiting family in Korea. It's not the year for transoceanic flights with quarantines and all that good stuff. But a lot of people, unfortunately, are putting off their cancer screening. You know, the fundamental reason that we screen is to find cancers as early as we can that can prevent some cancers. Think about colorectal cancer or cervical cancer. When you screen for those cancers, if precancerous lesions are found that can be removed before they lead to cancer. Um, Other cancers can be detected early through screening, and that can lead to more successful treatments. But COVID has led to what our guest today called an unprecedented backlog in cancer screening. We spoke with a colleague of ours at the American Cancer Society, Dina Baptiste, Dr. Dina Baptiste. She's our Director of Guideline Development Process. And we talked with her, you talked with her, about why cancer screening remains a public health priority and an essential service. Yeah, Dina was, oh my gosh, she was such an interesting colleague to interview because, I, I, I mean, I think we've all heard or read about the pretty dramatic negative impact on cancer screenings that the pandemic has had. What Dina helped me to understand were some of the reasons why, uh, importantly, what we should do now, right, as we still find ourselves in the thrust of the pandemic and then as we enter 2021 and with vaccines on the horizon, hopefully began to pull ourselves out. But also one of the things I really appreciated that Dina said was, how do we learn from this experience that disruptions in care will happen? So what can the American Cancer Society do? What can hospitals do? What can the cancer community do? Because we were, I think, really largely unprepared for the significant negative impact on cancer screenings the pandemic had. And um, we're only beginning, as Dina shared with us, to see the consequences of the decreased screening for cancer. So I think you will learn a ton from this conversation and, you know, provides lots of resources and helpful statistics that will get us all thinking and and planning not only for what we're going to do in the next several months, but also in years to come. Good afternoon, Dina. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you. And you? I'm doing really well. It's uh, better than I deserve, as Joe would say. It's a beautiful day here in Atlanta, and I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. We're going to talk about COVID and cancer screening, and I have a ton of questions, and we have a lot to learn. So if you're ready, we'll dive right in. All right, let's um, let's level set for our audience a little bit. Will you share with us the roles that screening plays, just in general, cancer screening and decreasing cancer mortality? So the fundamental reason um, we screen for cancer is to find a disease early before symptoms develop. This increases the likelihood that cancer 
will be detected at an early stage and that and that treatment at that stage or time leads to improved outcomes and subsequently less death. So the earlier you find it, the better, and that's why we encourage screening. Um, also, even more important is the prevention potential of screening for colorectal and cervical cancers. Precancer cells or um, what can be referred to as cell changes on the cervix that might become cancer. If they're detected early through screening, they can be treated appropriately and prevent cervical cancer. And likewise, screening for colorectal cancer with colonoscopy or follow up with colonoscopy of a positive stool test, such as a FIT test or a GWAG test or um, uh, stool DNA, or with a CT colonography, all allows for the removal of any polyps that may be detected during the exam. And these polyps are what actually develop into um, colorectal cancer. So by removing these polyps at, at, at the screening stage, we can also prevent colorectal cancer. So the um, colorectal uh, cancer screening can be uh, secondary prevention and primary prevention for um, colorectal cancer. All right, that was fantastic and super easy to understand. It seems like the, the bottom line around cancer screening is that it's really critical and important because it increases the likelihood for better outcomes, whether it's our ability to treat early or our ability to prevent with the example of colorectal and ovarian. So we're going to talk to you today about COVID and cancer screening. Could you help us to understand, if we can think back before the pandemic, were we really where we wanted to be as a country in terms of cancer screening? Oh, unfortunately not. Um, yes, we made, we've made uh, good progress over the years, but with the exception of cervical cancer screening, there still was considerable room for improvement. Um, one of the data sets that we rely on um, a lot in uh, cancer screening research to look at what's going on in the public uh, in the at large is the National Health interview survey and the 2018 data that came out of that survey showed that about 84% of women aged 21 to 65 reported that they were up to date with cervical cancer screening and that is that is very good however only 66% of adults aged 50 to 75 reported that they were up to date for colorectal cancer screening. And for breast cancer screening, the rate was even lower. Uh, if we're using the standard of the current American Cancer Society breast cancer screening guideline, about 63% of women aged 45 and older reported that they were up to date for um, breast cancer screening. And that is when we say up to date, we're uh, referring to women 45 to 54 having had a mammogram in the past year. And for women 55 and older having had a mammogram in the past two years. So those numbers are fairly far from where we would consider um, where we would want to be in, in cancer screening, especially for breast cancer screening in the younger age groups. 
Okay, interesting. So that that really sets the stage for us to have a, a really cool conversation because if I understood pre-pandemic, so if we could think back to before 2020, you indicated that, yeah, we had made some really good progress in cancer screening, but we weren't there. There no. was, yeah, it, you you suggested there was room for improvement. Um, and I think simply stated that really not everyone was up to date on their screenings. All right. So then 2020 comes and it's been a year like no other for, for all of us. So when we think about the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on cancer screening, I'd I know that there are lots of statistics that we could talk about, but I'd, I'd really be interested to know what screening statistics around reduc further reductions in, in screening really have concerned you the most. You know, we have seen some short-term data that showed us the drastic changes in um, cancer screening uptake in those first few weeks after um, the, the the pandemic was declared, and those are in and of themselves very concerning. However, the most concerning impact has been the estimates of um, excess cancer mortality that will result from the suspension in cancer screening and also the slowdowns in other cancer services, such as the diagnosis of symptomatic cancers. Um, and this is mainly due to the medical distancing from health services due to understandably fears about exposure to COVID-19. So um, while we are concerned, of course, about the uh, lack of screening or the slowdown in screening over the past few months, the data is still early for us to see um, what those true numbers are, but we are able to use model um, estimates to see how this could play out in the future. And an important example of this, and that's very what's causing a lot of concern for us, is a report that came out um, in Science in June. It was published by uh, uh, researchers at the National Cancer Institute, and they conservatively estimated that about 10,000 excess deaths over the next decade from cancers due to late diagnosis and the disruptions we have had in treatment for um, breast and colorectal cancer uh, during COVID um, over a six month period. So it is key to note that of course, this is just um, a modeling report and it did not include other cancers or um, estimates of disruption that goes beyond um, six months. So the, the impact of the pandemic will be greater than the estimated uh, 10,000 um, deaths with just these two cancers and maybe worse in areas where, you know, the services do not um, are not returning to normal fast enough and may extend past six months. So this projected um, increased mortality down the road um, is what we're really concerned about and afraid that we may be um, trading, uh, having a pandemic now uh, for COVID-19, but in the future, we could have a, a different crisis on our hands. Mm, that's really interesting. And 
it makes perfect sense because the the first thing you said to us was that the fundamental reason that we screen is to find cancers as early as we can. Exactly, and that's where our greatest um, our great our greatest bang for the buck, if you will, is for um, curbing mortality. Is if we find cancers early, if they're treated early, um, uh, they have a better chance of uh, of having good prognosis and reducing mortality. So delaying screening and w- increases the chance that more cancers will be diagnosed later and more cancers that we have diagnosed later then we have a, a case of um, potentially increased mortality. Mm, these are real, really challenging times. Um, yes. So when we, I guess I'd like to transition a little bit to maybe some of the reasons why we've seen this decrease in uptake of screening, and you you mentioned just briefly a couple, like around fears. Um, certainly, this will vary in areas of the country based on services provided, as you mentioned, and certainly on COVID cases. I'd I'd like to talk about something that I've read a little bit about, and that is what's happening actually in hospitals. Um, hospitals are are very different places right now than what they were before the pandemic and can seem a little bit like a fortress, I think, sometimes to some people. I'm I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the measures that have been appropriately, I should say, very appropriately put into place to make hospitals as safe as possible for all patients, you know, including certainly COVID patients and cancer patients during the pandemic. Um, have any of these measures had unintended consequences on cancer screening? Oh yes, unfortunately. During the course of the pandemic, there has been a lot of misinformation and mixed messages. And some of this is understandable as we're in uncharted territory and not only um, has the messaging for controlling COVID infection changed as experts gain more knowledge about how the virus is spread, but it has come from many different sources. For instance, uh, you may recall in the early months um, or weeks, wearing a mask was recommended only for healthcare workers or those who were infected or potentially infected. We now know um, several months later that it's best for everyone to wear a mask when around others. Now, healthcare systems um, are adopting practices such as wearing everyone wearing a mask, limiting visitors, spacing out appointments to keep waiting rooms uh, fairly empty, and of course, allowing extra time for disinfecting between patients. Um, some facilities are even pre-screening for symptoms of COVID to make it safe for non-COVID care, such as um, cancer screening to to take place. And of course, this is good, right? So while this is very good and in keeping with the recommended guidance for for reopening that uh, came from CDC, we have to realize that um, patient education is essential to communicate that these measures in place are to protect the patients and healthcare workers and to provide the public with reassurance that they're not increasing their risk of exposure to the virus by 
rarely visiting a healthcare facility, that they should indeed feel better about visiting the healthcare facility when all of these um, procedures are um, in place. So, you know, it is incumbent upon healthcare facilities um, that provide cancer screening or other non um, urgent care services to be proactive in providing information to the patients, whether it's via phone um, when they're making appointments or on their web portals before uh, or after uh, the screening procedure. Also, you know, answering just questions and informing patients of the procedures in place and what they will, ex um, what to expect will ease concerns uh, patients may have about going to a facility. And when you're uh, making an appointment uh, with a patient over the phone, that may be a good time to remind them about um, what to expect when they show up. So when they show up for their appointment, um, they may not be as anxious or, um, or, or fearful about everyone being in mask and thinking, you know, that there's this COVID infection all over the place. Oh, I, lo I love that. I loved the way that you shared all of the very appropriate precautionary measures that hospitals are taking all the way from pre-screening and disinfecting and social distancing to decreasing the number of people actually in the hospital. But you also iterated the absolutely essential nature of talking to patients, all patients, yes. before they enter that environment, just to say, hey, this is, these are the things that we're putting in place and we're putting them in place to keep you safe. And this is the hospital, even though it may look and feel and sound different, this is still a safe place to be, no matter why you're here. Yes, there is, uh, there is very little um, risk, at least no more than you would. I believe for um, going into another um, non-healthcare facility uh, if that have precautions such as mask wearing and intensive cleaning of um, contracting the virus, then going into um, the hospital for a, a cancer screening test. There are precautions in place and they're to, to not just to protect the healthcare workers, but it's to also to protect the incoming patients. So one of the things that you've indicated is that if patients are communicated with, that when they show up, they, they will be safe. Um, I, I think that's one kind of side of the seesaw. The other side that we haven't really addressed yet is what happens if a patient can't show up? Meaning during the pandemic, hospitals and providers have been forced to make really difficult decisions around what services do we provide to patients during this this time where where many hospitals are are either overwhelmed think of being overwhelmed. And the result has been to deprioritize some services that have been termed non-essential, right? so non-essential healthcare. So I'm interested to talk about that just a little bit. And I think a good place to start is, does the American Cancer Society characterize screening 
as essential because we've we've heard and read in the news that some hospitals and hospital systems have had to put the brakes on screening. So it's it's a two-sided right equation. Sometimes patients are afraid to come in because of the changes mm-hmm. in the hospital, and sometimes the hospitals can't give them services um, because it, screening has been deemed as non-essential. Yes, and first and foremost, as someone who is in the public health space for all uh, many years now, and as a representative of the American Cancer Society, we would like to make a clear statement to say that despite the challenges we're facing during the pandemic, cancer screening remains a public health priority and an essential service. Now, it is reasonable for cancer screening to be suspended for a short period of time, but there will be lasting consequences from the backlog of screening tests that will build up if this is further extended. So we have to work to provide the um, public with safe opportunities to return to cancer screening. To um, address your other um, question, the other point you made, um, shortly after the pandemic was declared, I believe on March 13th, the American Cancer Society and many other organizations, um, specialty uh, organizations, supported um, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention's call for healthcare facilities to provide urgent care and delay um, what's referred to as elective services or non-urgent services. And this was primarily to reduce the risk of spreading the virus and also to allow for appropriate workforce and uh, resource allocations uh, to go to acutely ill patients with COVID. Um, That's very understandable. However, the consequence of the pandemic and the need to reduce um, elective procedures such as cancer screening at the beginning resulted in a, a a very dramatic reduction in cancer screening over a very short period of time. And so as the pandemic continued through the summer and as we learned more about how to mitigate risk of COVID exposures in um, doctors' offices and um, other healthcare settings, national organizations changed their recommendations and many states Um, including the American Cancer Society, and um, many states and health system eased those restrictions and restarted cancer screening and other elective procedures. Um, So though the message to halt screening was changed in uh, as some states and other authorities reopened businesses and ease restriction, uh, facility, healthcare facilities had to give careful consideration to um, many factors that are required to ensure safety for both the patients and their healthcare personnel. So, not all facilities were quickly reopening and saying we're going to resume cancer screening and calling it an essential service because the decisions about restarting cancer screening and the volume of tests um, varied, as I said before, depending on many factors, including the resources available to effectively implement um, infection control practices 
for non-urgent and emergency services. And depending on the resources available, a health system may choose to put those resources to their emergency services and delay um, putting resources to non-urgent um, services such as cancer screening. Now, I really appreciate that you shared that we're learning, right? We're learning more yes. about the pandemic. We're, we're learning more about how to be safe. And we're also learning on the flip side, more about the impact of reductions in cancer screening. And while you shared, I think very elegantly, the variety of circumstances and the variety of different factors that will play into decision-making around what services different hospitals can offer. I'd, I'd really be interested to know, are there strategies that the American Cancer Society feels are going to be really important for getting cancer screening back on track? The first is patient engagement. Uh, engaging patient in resuming cancer screening will require effective and proactive um, messaging. Providers and health systems um, have to recognize that simply reopening the facility and offering screening will not be enough. There's still um, a sector of the public that's still um, cautious and honestly may not be even thinking about cancer screening right now. So proactive education and navigation to help reduce um, barriers will be needed in the coming months. Uh, we believe to reinforce that cancer screening is important and also um, to emphasize that resuming cancer screening is an essential part of maintaining good health. Because let's face it, um, most, for the most part, we are all we have all been preoccupied with um, COVID for the past six to seven months, or maybe is it eight now? I'm losing track. So we must find um, opportunities to describe the importance of screening and to discuss these options um, where possible. For instance, um, many primary care doctors. Um, and providers are utilizing telemedicine or telehealth um, versus bringing patients into the office. And this is an opportunity to incorporate a discussion on cancer screening or even offer some of the at-home um, at screening options like fit testing for colorectal cancer. Also, this, uh, this presents um, an opportunity to use this time for risk assessment to ascertain if the patient is at high risk for a cancer and determine if they're up to date on screening or need to initiate um, screening. Um, the next thing I strategy that we believe um, would get us back on track is uh, what we have discussed before and is reassurance and safety um, precautions. The added safety precautions, as we discussed earlier, related to COVID, that are related to COVID, may reinforce medical distancing among some um, individuals who already who are already putting off returning to screening or um, delaying or refusing to get screened. Therefore, 
you know, um, clinicians and health facilities um, should be proactive in educating patients about these measures being taken to protect um, patient health and that these measures have created a safe environment for them to um, operate and provide usual care to the patients coming in. Uh, we suggest um, things like reminders about safety precautions when appointments are made, as I mentioned before, or even visibly displaying safety precautions, um, and also a positive, friendly environment um, has been stressed by patients that um, that this install, uh, you know, instill confidence in them uh, returning to a healthcare facility. Another um, item I want to mention is that you know implementation of process and policy changes are urgently needed to sustain access to primary care for us to um, return to cancer screening um, during this time. The increased unemployment um, is a factor. Unemployment from the pandemic has resulted in loss of employer-sponsored um, insurance for many of our citizens. There is uh, a need to increase access to care for these individuals, including cancer screening, whether it's through um, some form of insur subsidized insurance or other mecha um, mechanisms for free or uh, low-cost cancer screening. Another factor is the primary care workforce. They've been affected during this period. We have um, heard many reports of clinicians retiring early or um, having uh, smaller practices closed during this time because they just could not sustain their business from being closed for uh, such an extended period of time. So um, we will need appropriate and adequate policy solutions in the coming um, months or year um, to go forward and ensure that we have a strong primary care workforce to continue to implement preventive services such as cancer screening. You know, Dina, I think the main message I got from that really wonderful summary is that we we have to be proactive that just because yes. we provide it they may not come and i i really appreciate and this is certainly something that's true in my own life that many of us perhaps all of us have viewed our health through this incredibly narrow lens of covid for much of this year and we have to broaden that focus and remember all of the other ways that our health is impacted. And I think the educational slant that you had to your message around screening is safe, it's necessary, it's it's positive, it's a proactive way to take care of our health are so critical. Um, one of the things that you began to mention were policy changes that you felt like were necessary to help sustain access to care. And that that kind of got me thinking about an area that the American Cancer Society is so engaged in, and that's around ensuring that where you live and how much money you have should not impact your ability to be diagnosed with and survive cancer. So 
considerations around disparities. So I'd really love to know your thoughts on how screening disparities have been further highlighted by the pandemic. Oh, yes, this is a, a, a definite area that will is of challenge and also um, of concern. Before the pandemic, we know that there was evidence of uh, cancer screening disparities. So without a deliberate focus, unfortunately, they are li- they're likely to increase as a result of um, the COVID-19 pandemic. So efforts to promote uh, screening that I mentioned before um, and overcome barriers for populations with low screening prevalence must be at the forefront of our attention as we try to quote unquote get back to normal. Nationally, Black Uh, Blacks, Hispanic, and Native American cases of deaths from COVID exceeded their representation in the population. And members of these subgroups are also more affected by unemployment and loss of um, employee-sponsored insurance. Thus, there are multiple factors that will affect the resumption um, or resuming screening in, in these groups where screening uptake was or was challenging even before the pandemic. So now, you know, it's a compounding effect. You're adding um, other issues on a on a, a top of an issue that was uh, very challenging to begin with. So we must be more vigilant in our approach to identifying and engaging these groups in our community for whom resuming regular preventive care such as cancer screening is even more difficult and may not frankly be a priority at this time. Also, this work will be best done at the local level, although the American Cancer Society has done a lot um, uh, at our headquarters office with our um, health health equity program. This is best done at the local level through alliances with our community partners and health facilities that knew and served the needs of the medically underserved um, pre-COVID. So it's important for us to um, strengthen our alliances with community health centers, FQAs, and other facilities that may be struggling right now um, just to uh, address the needs of their constituents, we have to really be proactive in engaging them to bring cancer screening on the table and to re-engage, for them to help us re-engage um, the, this, this segment of our population to get back to screening so we, we don't run the risk of further widening the disparities in cancer screening. Dina, one of the things that you shared, which I think is so important for us to think about, is that there are so many players here, so many organizations who want to do good, who are in alliances and and these associations, and and for I think the consistent messaging that we have is so critical. So at this time, when things are, to be quite honest, still pretty scary and confusing with so much of our lives in flux, is there a consistent and important message that 
you'd like to share just really around kind of screening options and risk considerations and decision making that not only patients but also providers and and all of those who really have a, a stake in getting screening back to um, the forefront of our minds? Uh, yes, we know that there's um, a backlog in cancer screening and not just a backlog, it's an unprecedented backlog um, of cancer screening and it will take time for us to overcome and it will require health system to adopt new processes and protocols to um, identify prioritize and, and track those needing uh, screening and follow-up. And, and this is difficult and will be challenging for some facilities who may not have the, the resources in place. Um, on, a, on a personal note, I missed an appointment, but as soon um, I, I am get my services through a larger healthcare facility, and I have private insurance. And as soon as the facilities reopen, I got a call from my doctor's uh, nurse asking me, when do I want to come in for um, my appointment or when do I want to reschedule my appointment? So that's a proactive approach. Now, not every healthcare facility is able to do that. So it may be necessary for areas where um, healthcare delivery or screening operations are not yet back to pre-COVID level to implement some sort of patient prioritization. This is not by any means suggesting rationing, um, but patients who are high risk um, and or experiencing cancer symptoms should be given um, priority for testing. And um, there are patients who had an abnormal screening exam before the shutdown and were scheduled for a diagnostic evaluation and may still need um, follow-up. Uh, it's it's um, concerning to think that this far in and these many months after, this may not have occurred, but there may be patients out there that has not had their follow-up exam and they may need to, to be tracked down and encouraged to come in for follow-up. Um, also, patients who had undergo evaluations prior to the shutdown and were scheduled for biopsies or per, um, procedures, these patients are high priority for immediate care. Now, um, for breast, I just want to make this note that for breast, cervical, prostate, and colorectal um, cancers, Patients who are classified as high risk, um, and these are usually due uh, patients uh, classified due to genetic family history or other factors, they're recommended to follow different screening intervals and or um, screening strategies. So delaying screening for too long in these high risk patients um, for whom screening or also further diagnostic evaluation is a higher priority, is important uh, that they be seen, seen in the healthcare facility really quickly and not delay screening because they have a higher probability of disease or risk of developing disease. And this put these patients, of course, at, at greater risk for, um, for, for having an advanced cancer if they delay screening for an extended period of time. Now, 
uh, I'm saying this to say that persons who are at average risk and who are adherent to screening in the past may may you know be considered as a lower priority and may be advised that they can safely accept a longer period of postponing screening given the current situation. For example, if you're a woman over the age of 55, you have had regular, maybe annual uh, screening mammograms, all normal over the past um, years, you may choose to do a, a buy, have some satisfaction or comfort that you can maybe skip a mammogram this year and do a biannual and get a mammogram next year. But we should not encourage, encourage that this um, should be for an extended period of time. Uh, in the case of colorectal cancer, this is unique because the availability of um, multiple tests for screening provides an opportunity for um, physicians or health systems that previously rely on just recommending colonoscopy for their patients. They have the opportunity now to expand their screening capacity by offering screening with stool testing to some patients. So stool tests um, for colorectal cancer screening are simple. They are done at home and can be sent to the lab by the patient for processing. Um, and they're an effective alternative to colonoscopy and are essential, especially um, as an alternative when colonoscopy can um, not be available, especially now where a lot of places may be closed or have limited capacity. And most and important during this time, they have the advantage of less personal contact. You can do it at home and send it off in the mail. So th those are just some of the um, things that we can take into consideration in terms of decision making around screening during this time. We definitely should focus on our um, high risk population and those who are not adherent to screening and have not been kept um, keeping up with their screening to get them in and choosing alternatives um, for colorectal cancer when we can. Odina, I, I really appreciate your fundamental message, which is for a proactive approach and for patient prioritization and to really encourage both patients and providers to consider patients that are at high risk and engage them in all of the messaging and practices that you've shared with us. So thank you. I I just have really one last question, and that is that while I'm not I don't I don't know that silver linings is going to be the appropriate term to use here, but I do think I think it's a little early for that. But I, I do think that in most areas the pandemic has been a learning experience that at least has informed us. And I'm, I'm wondering if you could just leave us with your, your thoughts on what have we learned um, that will help us as we move forward to really do a better job as we try to deliver cancer screenings. Um, we want to be safe and equitable and, um, really have that that positive messaging that engages patients and encourages them to um, have those screenings. So we'd love to hear your thoughts. Yes, this has been a learning experience, hasn't it? I, I saw um, uh, one of those many COVID-19 stickers. It turns out everyone who answered 
question, where do you see yourself in five years in 2015? <laughs> We're wrong. <laughs> Exactly. So, um, but anyway, on a serious note, to answer your question, we should hope that many lessons have been learned. Um, it's been a learning experience for all of us. First, we were unprepared for this pandemic and the effect it had on non-urgent and even urgent care that was not related to um, that was not related to meeting infection with COVID-19. Although hospitals, um, I believe, are required to have emergency plans, generally it appears they did not um, prepare us for this pandemic. Hopefully we have learned that suspending cancer screening beyond even a short period of time will be costly in terms of increasing the number of advanced stage diagnosis as we discussed earlier and subsequently um, increasing the number of deaths. But uh, suspending care for people with symptoms associated with cancer um, has had the same effect. You know, the consequences, measures in uh, delayed diagnosis and deaths, which will be evident, I believe, in um, in our cancer statistics in the coming years. Um, delay in returning to routine access to health services was made worse by the um, unfortunately by the lack of a national plan on um, addressing social distancing and wearing masks you know we have sporadic things going on in different areas in different states that was not um, helpful so hopefully there's a lesson to be learned there of um, Paramount importance is clear communication about health priorities. Triaging patients for screening and diagnostics care based on risk and ensuring that there are settings where healthcare can be delivered without putting patients um, at risk of infection. This is a, a point that we hope that we should learn from and take forward. And we need to appreciate that disruptions due to future pandemic or natural disasters are possible in the future. Yes, it happened now, but we have to appreciate that it may happen again. Maybe not a COVID situation, but it could be a natural disaster or something similar. And we need to be better prepared. So, you know, we, we now have approved vaccines and that will be available to select groups in the near term. But I just want to close by saying we still have um, a ways to go before the end is in sight. It is important that we all continue to do what we can to flatten the curve and to reduce the spread of the virus so that everyone can get back to um, cancer screening and other uh, services and activities and other care as health care as soon as possible. So follow the public health messages. We should all continue to do that. Wear a mask, wash our hands as often as possible and keep our distance as much as um, you can. Um, one last thing I would like to draw your listeners' attention to is that the ACS has made available um, a return to screening guide to assist 
health systems and providers and um, patients may even find this um, beneficial, although we're working on separate um, patient-centered messaging. Um, we have provided a document online. Um, it's called our Return to Screening Guide. It is available on the ACS Comprehensive Cancer Control website at ACS for ccc.org that is acs the number four ccc.org um, when you get to the site just click um, on the covid19 tab that i believe is on your top right hand corner of the page and you should be able to access the document well i think with that we'll let you get back to all this important work thank you so much dina this has been a, a wonderful conversation and I really appreciate that last takeaway that we now know that disruptions will happen. We are still experiencing perhaps the most impactful disruption in cancer care we've ever had. And we are yet to come out of that. But as we do, we we will learn from this as to what will we do next time? What can we do better to um, help us to return to um, what we know are absolutely critical screening regimens um, in the future? So thank you for all you do. Thank you, Susanna. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure chatting with you, and I hope your listeners um, learn something from this. <laughs> I know I did, and I'm certain they did too. All right. Have a good afternoon, Dina. Uh, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.